Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we're talking about Gavin O'Connor's The Way Back, starring Ben Affleck. Uh, this is, of course, a movie about an alcoholic who was once a former high school basketball champ who is brought in to coach the team and learns a little bit about the way to recovery along the way. So it's a uh, it's it's a good old-fashioned sports drama mixed with a little bit about inspirational, you know, self-help kind of healing. And it's, uh, it's a good movie. It, I shouldn't say it's surprised because it looked good, you know, going into it. But I think Ben Affleck is getting some of the biggest raves of his career for it. And that, I think, is uh, somewhat surprising. And it's great to see because... Uh, who doesn't love Ben Affleck? I mean, come on. The guy's been through so much over the years, and it's great to see when he does something good. So we've got Joe Black on the show to talk about this movie. Uh, Joe is a big Ben Affleck fan, so we have a great conversation coming up for you guys. Before we get into that, I do want to, of course, address the elephant in the room, which is the fact that everything's on freaking lockdown, it looks like. Maybe not that bad, but uh, things are things are crazy out there. Um, the, the pandemic that is the coronavirus is happening, and you don't tune into this little movie podcast to hear about that, but uh, it is going to affect things moving forward. Obviously, today I'm recording this on uh, March 12th. Uh, they just canceled a whole bunch of movie releases, A Quiet Place 2, Fast and Furious 9, Mulan, uh, Antlers, a whole bunch of stuff just got taken off the release schedule list. Uh, even things as small as the Nevada Women's Film Festival here in Las Vegas, which Piecing It Together is going to be a sponsor of, just had to postpone the festival. Uh, I'm going to actually be interviewing the uh, organizers of the fest. Uh, it was supposed to happen tomorrow, but we decided to push that off until they have a new date scheduled. So, I mean, all kinds of weird things are happening uh, in the world. You know, maybe we'll talk about some of that over on Bird Road one of these days if we record another episode anytime soon. But, uh, you know, for now, though, I'm going to try to squeeze in as many movies as I can while movies are still a thing and keep on covering them for you guys because I love doing the show and I hope you continue to enjoy listening to it. So make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. You can, of course, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And you can follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Oh, and one last thing. If there's a little bit of weird sound in the background, it's raining like crazy here today. But it shouldn't be too bad. So, 
Let's get into the movie. This is The Way Back. All right, so back on the show with us today, we've got our good buddy Joe Black. How's it going, Joe? It's going great. Everything is going well in life right now. Uh, I would say I'm waiting for the other shoe to fall, but I don't believe in shoes. So <laughs> just walking around barefoot, huh? Yeah, just uh, I'm from Florida. No other way. Nice. That's I used to work at Blockbuster in a uh, Yuli, Florida, which is real country and where you get more Steven Seagal movies than anything else. And uh, almost none <laughs> of our customers wore shoes. And usually they came by on their way to or from a fishing trip. And you, and you were cool with that, though, right? Like it, it doesn't matter if, if there's like store policy or anything like that. You just, you know, it's just it is what it is around there. It's hardwood. Don't get a splinter. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> So uh, today we are talking about, of course, The Way Back, which uh, you had volunteered for quite a while back. I know Ben Affleck has come up in various conversations we've had over the last couple of years on this podcast. I, I take it you were looking forward to this one. Ben Affleck is my favorite actor. Yeah. Yeah, he um, and I and that's not to say I think he's like the best actor or that I mm-hmm. even necessarily think he's particularly a very good actor. Uh, <laughs> I just I really love what he has to offer um, mm-hmm. as an entertainer, and I and I like the projects he chooses. He reminds me a lot of um, of my other favorite actor, Elliot Gould, who mm. when he had his opportunity to be an A lister, you know, after Mash. If you look at the projects that Elliot Gould picked over the seventies, they're insane. You right. know what I mean? Like things like. Uh, getting straight or uh my personal favorite little murders these are all very strange movies and and ben affleck when you look at his filmography i mean the dude did the same fucking thing like mm-hmm. you know after armageddon hit and he's like the biggest thing to ever happen you know armageddon and goodwill hunting kind of back to back he's doing shit like reindeer games and paycheck and you know what i mean like really just kind of out there stuff forces of nature bounce sure you know um and not again that any of these were particularly successful, but the fact that he chose those when mm-hmm. he could choose anything, you know, that I've always liked that about him. Yeah, you never really get the feeling with Ben Affleck that he got like stuck or pigeonholed into these things. It's 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 just a an interesting path that this guy has taken and and so many different like stages of his career doing like very, very different things in each one. And being, yeah, and being willing to do some of the stuff he did, like even his character in Extract, you know what I mean? Which mm-hmm. is like what would be now the Matthew McConaughey role, I guess, or something. But, right. Um, but, you know, you look back at, um, you look back at Dogma and um, the most wonderful thing about Dogma, first of all, is that he fought for it. Like Kevin Smith gave him, famously gave him Chasing Amy and Dogma at the same time. And he wrote Chasing Amy for Ben Affleck. But Ben Affleck right. was like, all right, great. But all he could focus on is like, but I want to do Dogma. Yeah. Like, I want to be Bartleby <laughs> and his performance in that up until this film, up until the way back, I would say was his best performance. Um, but the way back, I mean, his performance in this makes me feel bad for talking about him, not necessarily being a very good actor all those years, because this performance is, um, it is every bit as good as people have said, and it is mm-hmm. better than the movie itself. But unlike right. some people, I don't think this is not a good movie. Um, I think that he, his performance, uh, is evident of the uh, the integrity of the movie itself, the integrity that he saw in the movie. And, sure, uh, we'll talk some about that as we get into it here. But uh, good Absolutely. job, Absolutely, welcome back. We've <laughs> yes. all forgiven. Live by night. 
Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't know if I've fully forgiven it, but uh, let, let's let's roll with that though. Um, I think that we'll we'll take that that uh, that point about the performance because yes, absolutely, that is uh, that's what that's what we're all there to see with this movie. I mean, we we all kind of heard going into it like, man, Ben Affleck's giving a career best performance, and uh, you know maybe the movie is you know as successful as you're gonna get for this kind of a movie, but the performance is a hundred percent. And I'll kick it off with a first puzzle piece here. I don't know how you feel about this movie. I don't know how you feel about uh, Ben's brother Casey, but first thing, thing I, I thought about of everything with my hands. <laughs> <laughs> well, first thing I thought of was Manchester by the Sea. Um, an, another movie with, of course, Ben's brother Casey Affleck won the Oscar for it. Uh, just a a. a you know, a great working class everyman character who uh, is in in the midst of this uh, redemption story, basically, and uh, really just digging into what has broken him and why he is the way he is. And it's really just an acting showcase. It's a chance to really show like, man, these Affleck guys got it, you know? (laughs) So that was the first thing I thought of. My, my 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 thing about the Affleck brothers, the tragedy of the Affleck brothers outside of Casey as a person, apparently, um, <laughs> which I'm not saying anything because I don't know enough. But anyway, sure, sure. but is that um, Casey Affleck is an actor who wants to be a movie star and Ben Affleck is a movie star who wants to be an actor. Totally. And, uh, that's kind of their big block. Um, I saw Manchester by the Sea um, and uh, I was so I thought it was so dull that mm. I actually got up and I left about two hours into the movie. Um, mm. I went to go see it at Arclight. I paid money. No AMC or movie pass for that one. And uh, it just was not holding my interest. And I gave it two hours and the movie being two and a half hours is um, in itself. Yeah, at that point, at that point, you got to really not be into it if you're not going to like just stick it out that last little yeah, bit. Yeah, exactly. And well, you know, it really turned it for me and why I think that this movie is better is because once you find out uh, in Manchester by the sea that Casey Affleck burned his fucking house down because he's an irresponsible drunk piece of shit who isn't good to his wife. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, fuck him. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, don't do that again. Sorry. I, I, I have, I have all the empathy in the world for people, but no sympathy for him. And uh, I don't care about his journey at that point. You know, uh, good luck to him is my attitude. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this, I mean, the child being taken away by cancer is just like, you know, and, and watch, you know, that to me is, uh, that to me is much more compelling in a way, you know, um, the fact that Casey Affleck is responsible for it, it just because he wanted to hang out with his friends instead of be, you know, be good to his kids. Fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think that there's definitely some, uh, some amount of earned with that, that statement right there <laughs> sure. with that character. Uh, but yeah, but I, I, I did love that movie though. Um, I, I, I completely understand where you're coming from though, with the character just, you know, like kind of fuck him, but, right. but the, the parallel though, of these two, um, these two people and just mm-hmm. what they've been through and, and what they're trying to come back from. But, uh, what do you got for your first piece? Oh, well, I had a, I was, I was thinking of Manchester by the sea, but, um, I was like, I, because of what I just said about the movie, I didn't want to necessarily bring it up. Plus I kind of, sure. you would have it too. You know what I mean? So no cross. Sure. So I, but sticking with the dead kid theme, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, I just watched this movie the other day for the first time, actually. Um, and it's a uh, Sean Penn directed film called The Crossing Guard. Hmm. Um, 
which stars uh, Jack Nicholson and Angelica Houston, David Morse. And it's a, uh, it's about a man who um, it's a man is released from prison who supposedly murdered Jack Nicholson's son or a child um, rather. And uh, Angelica Houston and Jack Nicholson were married, but they're not anymore. She's trying to move on, but Jack Nicholson has just decided that now that this guy's out, it's his mission to just kill the guy. Like that's all that he has left to do in life. So mm-hmm. it's him tormenting the guy until he's going to eventually kill him. Um, and uh, the reason why it reminded me of the way back outside of there being a dead child is, um, is be- to me, what was so moving about the way back was the dynamic between he and his uh, wife who he separated from and, mm. um, and uh, how there's still so much love there but how it's just an impossibility. I actually didn't care for the first scene between the two of them. It was one of the few scenes in the movie that felt a little too saccharine and written. But um, from then on, I found the dynamic very interesting. You know, you have that thing where like divorced parents have to like show up for the kid's birthday party or something like that, you know, but I found it interesting. And this separated parents of a dead child had to show up to another family's birthday party in support of a kid who's in remission. Yeah, it's brutal. Well, it's, but, but, Yes and no. It's brutal in concept, but I think that the love that they have for each other as people is so evident. Sure. That, that there's nothing but forgiveness. Uh, you know what I mean? Really, even from moment to moment. Uh, yeah. When he crosses the line with her in the car by saying, like, you know, you get to go fuck this other guy, which every man has that in them, you know, that ugliness, that pain, that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the things that I just loved about the movie in general was that, like, when you first see that it's rated R. I got excited not only because Ben Affleck looked like he was going to give a good performance, but because the fact that it's rated R told me there's a chance for this to be a little more honest and sincere than, mm-hmm. than the other movies like this, you know, um, there's going to be, there, there could be a truth to it. And um, yeah, um, I'll save more opinions about the film itself for as we go. But yeah, so first one, the crossing guard, definitely check that movie out. And Sean Penn had a real thing for dead kids. He did that movie. And then the next movie he directed was The Pledge, where Jack Nicholson is the detective investigating a child murder. And then sure. right after that, Sean Penn was in Mystic River, another uh-huh. kid thing. What's going on with that guy? Freak. Yeah, I, he. Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess it's a it's a good. Uh, is it is that a like a MacGuffin? Like. <laughs> 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 I think that's the funniest thing I've ever heard you say. That's good. That, uh, lo- it, loose definition. Yeah. Well, you know, I was just, <laughs> just yesterday I was jonesing for some piecing it together podcast. So I listened to the Joker one, which I never listened to. And I, I can't lie. I was just like some of the things that Chad and what's never say were just like, like pulling teeth. But I love how when they were trying to pitch the new one, you kept kept chiming in with like, but it's Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix thinks it's so, and they ignored you. They ignored your genius. <laughs> like I was sitting there just crying with laughter. You said something else really funny in that one too, but like that well, walking thanks, Phoenix man. thing, you're right on the line. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, I will jump into my next piece here. Uh, so I, so if I, I'm not going to sit and like complain about the movie because I, I, I did enjoy it quite a bit. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's been a rather slow year it's one of the, one of the better things I've seen this year. Uh, but there is a little bit of a, um, 
I, I just kind of want to say like almost like a, a self-helpy vibe behind the whole thing I kind of felt like and the movie Yes Man came to mind mm. with the idea the idea that Ben Affleck's character you know he just needs to just snap out of it and say yes to, to life and say yes to to experiences and to coaching this team and to getting out of his own shell and all that stuff and and to just kind of getting back to life a little bit and you know I, I I can see where that can be very inspirational I know that uh, this director Gavin O'Connor he's known for these uh, inspirational you know sports movies aside from you know the accountant of course but uh, you know so I know that there's a kind of a running theme there and so that's you know, where that comes from. But, uh, you know, Yes Man in its own right was a little bit fun. And I, I mean, maybe it, it uh, kind of boosted the sales of those kind of uh, self-help things uh, over the years. Uh, but I, it was another thing that kind of came to mind while I was in the theater. That's, I love it. Yes Man had a really interesting, like I didn't want to see it when it came out, but when it was on DVD, I worked at Blockbuster, so it was a free rental. And mm -hmm. um, there's one scene that completely like, like I was on like when I started I was like eh this isn't as bad as I thought but is this good but then there was one scene where I was like wow I didn't expect that it was when the old lady gives him the blowjob like he has to say yes to that and then he enjoys it like he really that's enjoyed it. weird but I was like that's brilliant like that yeah. I didn't see that coming and then from then on I was totally on board with the movie and I hate Zoe Deschanel but I love that band in it Munchausen by proxy so good <laughs> <laughs> that song uh, was it horn no, late night booty call not sure late night booty call so good. god you remember these things that's one thing about you joe is you have a memory for like little <laughs> details like that like to remember these song titles and things in movies that's great well th thanks I, you know i'm glad they were in there um <laughs> but uh you know it's interesting to what you say about this gavin o'connor guy um i only know of the accountant of, uh, mm. that, of him officially i don't know did he direct something else what, uh, is it called Warrior, I believe? Oh, it's, with the uh, swim. With the swimming. Right, right. With the diving or whatever it is. Yeah, they didn't see that shit. Um, I thought the account was really bad. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I thought that, again, it was a great Ben Affleck performance in a really stupid movie. Um, the fact that they, he and Anna Kendrick had like a romantic moment, I was like, don't do that. They didn't need that. Um, <laughs> but to this movie, the thing... Okay, so I, I guess I do want to say that like Yes Man you're walking on pins and needles with the movie like this because you're uh, you know, you've seen this movie a million times. Mm. Something that I did not appreciate. I, I really, I'm sorry to break up the puzzles thing here, but I have to explain because I think it's important okay. to say about this movie that the whole movie, I was very interested in the fact that they never showed us failure. So the whole movie, like even at the beginning, they show us just enough to show us the situation he's in him drinking mm -hmm. the beer or something, you know, but he shows up to Thanksgiving and there's a bit of a fight, but it doesn't ruin Thanksgiving. It's right. not, you know, it, we're not getting any of these cliches. And then I also found it very interesting that it was not mandated on him that he had to go do the fucking uh, coaching. He just was given the choice and he chose it. And I right. liked that. And then whenever the team would lose, we never saw them lose. Mm -hmm. We would always see maybe a bad play and then a freeze frame in the score. Yeah. And you then, just get the freeze frame thing yeah. and that's, that's it just giving us enough information so we understand. And then all you start to see is victory upon victory upon victory upon victory, right? Until the big win. Mm -hmm. And that's where most of these movies end. But then this movie very brilliantly has like another act to go. And that's when we start to see the failure. Right. right? And and that's when I, when I saw in the theater, I was like, man, shit. 
they were doing it. They were walking the line. They were yes manning us, you know, and then (laughs) and then suddenly it just becomes a fucking like every other alcohol, blah, blah, blah. And then he gets the recovery and everybody is kind to him and there's no resentments and it works out. Right. Um, Spoilers. But (laughs) but it wasn't until I got home and I was I was disappointed, but I still liked it. But then I got Mm -hmm. home and I realized and this is right after you messaged me is when you messaged me and asked me if I liked it. Is right after I said sure or whatever I said, I. That's when we have to see the failure, because he chose that as a distraction. He chose to coach as a distraction, and it is right. what he's good at, right? That was not the solution. It wasn't a fairy tale Hoosiers kind of movie, right? right. It was uh, which that's my next puzzle piece is Hoosiers, which I never cared. Okay, for. Um, and I think I've said enough about Hoosiers to explain why that's a puzzle piece, but. Um, <laughs> But like, it's not a like these victories, they're not the victory that they're not the personal victory. That's like thinking that a romantic comedy is about the guy and the girl getting together. No, literally the, the victory is self-discovery and, and something you can start to build a foundation of. It's the boost you need to make your life better, to put yourself in a better place. And Mm -hmm. I actually had a lot of more respect for the movie after that, because I thought to myself, oh, wow they dared to risk it in those final moments. You know what I mean? To show what sure. it really means to go into recovery. That being said, I need to see it again because the scene where they go to the dead kid, you know, in the hospital is so obviously a reshoot. And there's so many obvious reshoot moments after that, that I wonder if Ben Affleck took it over and made that stuff happen. Huh? Because he's like 30 pounds lighter, like looks much healthier and like interesting, you yeah. know, but but again, I think that if that if that is the case, I'm in support of that. I've always been in support of Ben Affleck uh, taking the reins, even if he has a live by night. Um, <laughs> but Hoosiers Hoosiers is a nice movie. But again, to me, I guess it's set, you know, what is set in like the 50s, right? Sure. Yeah. So I guess it's not unrealistic. The kids wouldn't be cursing and fucking and all that stuff. But, <laughs> yeah. But um, but yeah, I, I, I appreciated this movie for um for its subtle approach to what could have mm-hmm. been something we've seen a million times, like the yes man. So it's both. Sorry. That was so sure. Long. Oh, no, you're, you're good. I liked it. Uh, one thing before I go on to my next piece, uh, I just very quickly, uh, Googled warrior because clearly neither of us have seen it. It's actually an MMA movie. So, oh, wait, wait, wait. Um, <laughs> I was thinking of the peaceful warrior. Gotcha. Multi warrior with Tom Hardy well, is great right, until the right. very end. Did you see that movie? I never actually have seen it. No. Okay. I'm going to have to spoil it for you. I'm sorry. Cause this is a 10 year long, uh, irritation of mine. Go for it. The end of the movie is the big tournament where he, Tom Hardy gets in. No problem. His brother struggles to get in. In the first two rounds, his brother gets his ass whooped in both fights. He's in, but he wins both just barely. Tom Hardy mm-hmm. wins his other two fights. Like in one punch, he doesn't even get hit. Right. Mm-hmm. He's like the, and then when they go to compete against each other, it's like even keel. And he promises the brother not to take it easy. And the brother like wins just barely. Mm-hmm. And I was like, sorry, don't buy it. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the other, brother, right. they set him up to be the sympathetic one. He's like a teacher and blah, 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 you know, and Tom Hardy's just scrappy little, whatever. But no, Tom Hardy would have fucking whooped his ass. If right, only right. because the other guy has been getting his ass whooped straight for two days. Sure. So it was a four star <laughs> movie that ends on a, one star note. It was so interesting. Well, it's, it's interesting how, how much, uh, it was the same director, but how you like the ending with this one. So, True. Much, you well, know, wait. so 
Can you do me a favor? Can you Google, is Nick Nolte in The Peaceful Warrior? Okay, Nick Nolte, Peaceful. Yes. He's in both. <laughs> there you go. Interesting. All right. So many reasons to confuse the two. <laughs> What's your next uh, piece? Yeah, let's uh, let's jump into another one here. So I was going to bring up uh, the first movie that you and I did here on Piecing It Together, A Star is Born. Please. Um, f- for uh, bringing a recovery story into a movie that, you know, otherwise on the surface seems to be about something else. You know, we go in expecting this, you know, well, maybe not fully expecting. We know that it's going to be about this guy in recovery, but, uh, you know, it's a basketball drama, a sports drama, you know, a sports movie. And it ends up being, you know, very heavily about uh, this guy's struggle. And, you know, A Star is Born, of course, is, you know, very much... I would say as much about uh, Jackson Maine's struggles as it is about uh, Allie's rise to stardom. So I think, uh, you know, using one story to tell another story about addiction is where I draw that comparison. Oh, absolutely. This one has a much better outcome. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> but again, I think it. I think that they both are speaking to the same theme of like um, recovery for the right reason is the only way that it's going to work. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like the big, that's a really good way to put it. Yeah. yeah, The big problem with the star is born is that he, he gets better for her. Right. You know what I mean? And, and that's not going to work. And, uh, you know, I mean, as we already know, that's like one of my favorite movies. So, um, yes, absolutely. And, and, uh, how, how do you like the, uh, new lady Gaga single, by the way? Um, I wouldn't skip it on the CD, but, uh, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't make it the single. Okay. But I, yeah, I, I kind of, I kind of agree with you on that one, but it's it's a good track. But uh, but yeah, it yeah. is an interesting choice for a single. I don't know how familiar you are with her body of work, but there's one song on Joanne, um, her last album, that I felt like just I I'm confused to this day how it was not the single. Um, there's a song called Diamond Heart on that album that is hmm. so sick, so good. I I should listen to this album tomorrow. I I actually as much as I like Lady Gaga, I've never listened to the Joanne album. It's weak. I, I should go listen to it. it. It's weak. It really is. Yeah. But but like that album was for her. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like she exactly. It. It's like her personal thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But um. But Diamond Heart is the Diamond Heart and Grigio Girls. Those are the two best on that album. <laughs> um. Well, what do you got for your next piece? Uh, my next puzzle piece is the replacements. Okay. Um, the Keanu Reeves, Gene Hackman, uh, football comedy. Um, sure. And uh, I, I guess I put it on there because um, I feel like it was a subversive movie, like this one was, where uh, you got Gene Hackman who had done Hoosiers, and that's obviously why people thought of him in the first place. And then you've got Keanu Reeves in this big comedy, but it actually kind of crept up and surprised people because without ever tipping the comedy scale, it, it actually was very like poignant and moving. And mm-hmm. um, I think that that like this movie has a lot to do with the performances. You know what I mean? Like the, the actors that they got, you know, you've got side characters in that movie played by like John Favreau, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? You've got like good actors and it's the difference when you have a good actor, you know, it doesn't matter the material. Look at why pineapple express is such a good movie. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's because James Franco is a good actor. You know, sure. same same thing with uh, Superbad, sticking with that theme. Jonah Hill isn't a comedian; he's an actor. You know, and um, I think that that kind of thing makes all the difference. Uh, 
like the replacements like this movie. Although I feel mm-hmm. both will fade into obscurity. <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm sure I saw the replacements like way back in the day when it came out, but I, I barely even remember that one. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, I, I could totally, I could totally uh, see those comparisons that you're making, though. Well, it really holds up because it's it's like too sincere for some, too funny for others. But then, sure. Like, but but um, yeah, like you don't expect it to have such a strong ending. You know what I mean? Kind of like the that longest yard, the original longest yard, the Adam Sandler one is tonally perfect but the original longest yard is i i, I mean it I, I i i i believe it i'm sure you've got uh a, a full explanation but um you know we only have one podcast here um <laughs> that's my that's my second favorite uh happy madison movie is Longest nice. Yard, right behind zohan um yeah zohan fucking rules yeah that movie that movie is uh one of the most important movies of the last decade or last 20 years <laughs> i guess this, i'm serious it's a very important movie i love um, it anti-trump before he took over um (laughs) but uh but yeah uh the replacements dude watch it it's good it has a really good soundtrack it's very a soundtrack very of its time but like you know for sure Mm -hmm. well i will go to my next piece uh i am gonna go with half nelson uh movie about a drug addicted teacher played by ryan gosling and uh the reason i bring this up is you know of course we're talking about a teacher with addiction issues but also the way that uh this particular character you know kind of does hold things together uh when he's you know around the kids and everything i mean is a couple of you know bad moments here and there, but generally speaking is mm-hmm. kind of holding things together. And I just thought that was an interesting trait where it's not like, you know, I, I, I don't know, driving a truck through the school or something like, you right, know, it's not right, like to- right. totally over the edge, like, you know, totally over the line, uh, kind of riding that level of functioning a little bit to where, you know, nobody's going to make them get better on you know right. they're they're, they're going to have to make that decision right right um i funny enough uh i tried to watch that movie once and turned it off and hmm. uh, i turned it off for s- the main problem i have with the way back i thought when you were saying why you compared them i thought you were going to say because they both have the same problem which is faux shaky cam um <laughs> sure like it's so <laughs> there funny. was a lot of a lot of lens flare in this as well oh it's so funny to me like how like these 25 million dollar hollywood films do fake camera adjusts like like they'll like add a zoom that's supposed to look like a readjust it's supposed to have the same or like make something handheld when it's like you know i make a lot of movies and i make them for no money and sometimes mm-hmm. i have a lot of handheld sometimes i have a lot of zooms and close-ups but that's because i don't have time to and i don't have the equipment to be able to set up uh, you know and stage things in certain cinematic ways i have to just capture what i can when i'm there sure. and, I, and it just pisses me off because so many people criticize my work for that but at the same time here are these fucking hollywood bastards with all the resources <laughs> in the world trying to fake what i have to do and then sure. people praise them for it you know it's, it's like, like pants oh, with holes in them when you buy them that's exactly dude that's exactly have i said that to you before because that's i don't my, think so that's my thing it's it, gee, dude that's my exact metaphor that's so funny but yeah like exactly it's like and it was distracting me like throughout the whole movie plus also this guy has the same problem with this like modern thing with digital film where it's like um 
that grayish kind of muted hue like across mm. the whole thing that is just so ugly and stupid um and it comes from being lazy in your color correcting process um mm. but uh but half nelson i had to turn it off because of the cinematography because it was just like it was so phony to me that i couldn't mm. even get into what was obviously a good performance you know what i mean like uh but this one wasn't as bad i guess <laughs> right right <laughs> yeah well uh what do you got for your next piece okay so this is my this is my final puzzle piece that i have unfortunately um, all right uh you know uh, but it is and it wouldn't be me on the podcast without a, a john cassavetti's film and uh sure i'm gonna go with love streams um love streams is a film where john himself plays a writer named uh robert Harmon, who um he uh He's like a, a playboy bachelor who lives in his house, is writing a new novel, lives a playboy life. And on the same week, his mentally unstable sister shows up and she's in the midst of a divorce. And at the same time, an ex-lover of his shows up with a 10-year-old boy saying, this is your son, hang out with him for a while. And then she ditches him. Hmm. And so it's just like, and he doesn't know what to do with this fucking kid. So he like, the first thing he does is pours the kid a beer. You know, gives the kid a cigarette and then he's like, why don't we go to Vegas for the weekend? You know, and he takes the kid to Vegas and leaves the kid in the hotel all night so he can go hang out with hookers all night. And then comes the next morning, the kid's like, I want to go home, you know, but um, <laughs> but the reason I compare them is because it's it's um, outside the obvious. It's he's an alcoholic in the film, you know what I mean? And he drowns mm. in alcohol and he doesn't know how to relate to people anymore, let alone children. And um, and it's so painful watching somebody so desperate to love and not having the tools to be able to do it. And, um, the scene where Ben Affleck is talking with his, uh, the wife he separated from when they get back from the party that was like traumatic for him and him talking about how they have each other or the kid dying, they have each other and you get to go, you know, fuck the whatever guy. It reminded me of my favorite scene in love streams when, John's sister goes into like a kind of sort of coma and mm -hmm. right before she goes into a coma in, in her craziest moment, she buys a bunch of exotic animals and brings them to his house. Ponies, ducks, uh, like, like the most insane goats, you know, and she goes into her coma right afterward. And then a horrible storm breaks out. So John has to like put on galoshes and like bring in all these animals. Right. Hmm. And then his sister wakes up and she says to him, I've made up with my ex-husband. And he's like, you made up with him in a dream or, and she, <laughs> or for real. And she goes, I'm going, I'm going to, I'm going to go back home and blah, blah, blah. And then John, not knowing what to do because she's going to abandon him when he's at his lowest, you know what I mean? When he needs her, you know what I mean? Just like sure. Ben Affleck in the movie, he says to her, he says, look, I don't want you going back to somebody who doesn't love you. I love you. And I want you to stay. I want you to stay forever. I'm taking care of the animals. I'm taking care of everything. And then she just looks at him and says, goodbye. You know, and um, it's 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 gut wrenching. You know, it really mm -hmm. is. But um, it's the break that Robert needed because he, like Ben Affleck, was just trying to mask his own problems by taking care of somebody crazier than him. Right. Distraction. Right. Only in uh, Cassavetti's world, it's a little tougher to watch than it is in the uh, motivational The Way Back. <laughs> um, sure. <laughs> yes that is why i draw that comparison i still think you have yet to see a cassavetti's film if i'm not mistaken 
you're you're a hundred percent right, but uh, I think at the time of recording this, uh, it seems like we're about to be on lockdown for quite a, quite a yes, while. So maybe yes. I'll maybe I'll make some time for some. Please, I beg you, just if you're gonna watch one, start with start with opening night. I think that's the best way to. It's kind of like if I was telling you to watch Robert Altman, I'd say watch The Player as your first Robert mm-hmm. Altman movie. Watch opening night. If there's maybe I'll maybe I'll have a double feature of both of those. <gasps> that's a, I'm just letting you know that's that's a five hour commitment. They're both. Two yeah, that, that's balls. a that's a that's a big one, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but what a damn good day. <laughs> well, I got one more piece uh, and this is just kind of a, a little bucket of. All of the Mark Wahlberg, Peter Berg, Everyman oh. movies, <laughs> which I know are not very good movies, but I think that they kind of appeal to uh, a certain crowd, if you know what I mean. And I think that this movie very much fits into that kind of thing. I think this is a better movie than those movies, mm-hmm. uh, but I think it definitely does appeal very much to that kind of uh, blue collar, every every man kind of kind of dude, you know. And uh, but unlike r- those movies, it does not make him a fucking hero. <laughs> right, right, and that, you're absolutely right, and that is a very important quality of this movie. Ah, uh, yeah, those movies are terrible. Yeah, um, they're Peter Berg is such a oh man, I it's things like this why I'll never make it in this industry. Peter Berg is such a scum bucket. Like he uh, <laughs> he made one really good movie, very bad things, and then he made one movie that I really enjoyed that I wouldn't call good, which is Battleship. But mm. um, but he's just Mark Wahlberg's yes man, right? You know what I mean, like you could tell Mark Wahlberg is running that show. Sure, so much so that like Peter Berg's just like we don't need a tripod. Like, just point at wherever Mark says, you know, let's get this over with. <laughs> just follow him around. Yeah, like, those movies, I have had no interest in those movies. The last one I saw was Lone Survivor. Because, like, it was Sidney Lumet who said, like, you know, he's like, I saw the trailer for Gandhi, and I thought, seen it. You know, <laughs> like, same thing with all of those Mark Wahlberg movies. He's on an oil rig. Oh, there's a bomber at the, you know, marathon. Is his wife at home? <laughs> Can you tell me that? <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good working together both those guys have shown their stripes you know what i mean sure um but ben affleck is um you know he's got demons like we all do i suppose his you know but i you know good luck to him he's obviously got a a, a big heart and an ambitious mind and he's been doing that for us from day one you know whether it's jersey girl or uh, you know surviving christmas you know he's willing to he's willing to go go big not just sure. for himself but just for movies and for us so good for him yeah for mo- for movies you know yeah. He, he, yeah he loves movies clearly uh but Gina i'm is not be- that bad people <laughs> yeah. was- we've heard we've heard you say that before and uh i'm sure you'll say it again <laughs> probably today i'll say it again today (laughs) well i'm gonna go ahead and do the finished puzzle and then we'll get to any closing thoughts uh finished puzzle includes manchester by the sea the crossing guard yes man hoosiers a star is born the replacements half nelson love streams and every Mark Wahlberg, Peter Berg movie. So. <laughs> to pair that with John Cassavetes. <laughs> I am so sorry. Uh, do you have any any closing thoughts about the movie before we wrap it up? Yeah, uh, closing thoughts. Um, Geely is not that bad of a movie. <laughs> I, um, 
Uh, closing thoughts. Uh, like I said, I feel like I really love the way that the movie was put together. I do feel like Ben Affleck came in in the 25th hour and reassembled the second in the last quote unquote act of the movie mm-hmm. and um, thus making it a patch job, but a worthwhile patch job. You know what I mean? Sure. And which I also feel that way about Dr. Doolittle. I would call the same thing worthwhile patch job. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Dr. Doolittle. Just throwing that out there. I thought it was wonderful. Um, Maybe I'll catch it one of these days. Honestly, Maybe. the three best movies I've seen this year are Greed, The Way Back, and Doctor Doolittle. It's been a rough okay. year, but like those are the three. <laughs> but um, but uh, but yeah, I really appreciate um the approach. I appreciate Affleck's willingness to do this material, and you can only be willing to do this material with people you trust, and he obviously trusts this director. Um, and uh, you know that guy just needs to buy a tripod and hire a different colorist. And, uh, <laughs> yeah you might have something yeah i mean we would have had a movie worth releasing in october like it originally was supposed to be i only have two other little thoughts i just wanted to mention real quick uh number one is uh ben affleck's character uh his you know co-assistant coach or whatever dan uh played by al madrigal i knew since I was sitting in the theater up until, uh, let's see, we're 36 minutes into recording, 37 minutes ago, I knew I knew who he was and couldn't put my fucking finger on it. <laughs> and I looked up the IMDb real quick before we started recording. I was like, oh my God, it's all magical. So I just wanted to mention that, that I, <laughs> I no can't believe I is. couldn't figure that out, you know? No idea who that is. He's a, he's a stand-up comedian, and uh, I think he was on The Daily Show at one point. Um, uh, that explains it. Yeah, I, I knew I recognized him from somewhere. The other thing is, uh, one, one thing that I thought was kind of silly in this movie was uh, how many freaking montages there were. There I mean, was a what, lot of montages. Yeah, you know, there's two types of montages. There's like the 80s montage, and then there's like, like sometimes you just got to stack events, you know what I mean? To give us the, sure. juice, to, to get to the things that are most important. I know that in film school, they taught us that the three laziest devices you can use in a movie are voiceover montage and cross dissolves. And, uh, mm-hmm. I just thought to like, they wouldn't even let you do those in the films we made. And I always just thought that like, that's so silly. They're not rules. They're tools. You know what I mean? Like sure. sunset Boulevard has voiceover citizen Kane has cross dissolves. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you know what I mean? Rocky has montages, you know, like, like sure. Um, I'm fine with all of the, with, with using what you need. You know what I mean? Like I really am. Sure. And the montages didn't bother me in this, but if they bothered you, well then damn the movie, damn the movie, damn right? this freaking movie, this yeah. inspirational crap. Yeah. No, it's pretty good. Movie. The way back to it. basic filmmaking. <laughs> there you go. You got it. Mm-hmm. Got him. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. uh, Joe, do you have another movie you saw recently you'd like to maybe recommend to our listeners? Well, I mean, one of them is Greed. Please go see Greed, but we'll do a podcast on that. Uh, yes, thankfully. we will. Uh, so good. But um, I have recently discovered two films, uh, watching them with uh, my girlfriend, Kat. One of them was last year's Missing Link. Missing Link. Probably the best animated movie I've seen since 2009, since the Coraline, Fantastic Mr. Fox, Ponyo, Triple Threat. Uh, Didn't that it, just like come out of nowhere and win the Golden Globe for best animated? It deserved it if it did. It is, I it think is so. phenomenal. It floored me. Mm. I was blown away by it. The other one is, this is a cinema sin. Uh, I just saw The Sound of Music for the first time with her as well. And it huh. is every bit as good as the legend suggests. Like it is blew me away and it and it made me appreciate knives out even more because we watched that the next day and like the cinematography in both of those films i miss real cinematography and like sure. 
digital versus film isn't the isn't the conversation to have. The conversation to have is uh, art is production design, lenses, and your color grade. Like that's mm. those that's the discussion to have. Um, that's what we need to get back to. Like you look at the sound of music and like the frame is so rich and so full and so well orchestrated. Same thing with knives out and both knives out was shot digitally. You know what I mean? So sure. like it's proof that like the problem is, is, you know, Quentin Tarantino called out Roger Deakins. Roger Deakins was on a podcast saying how he much prefers digital, how much better it is in film, blah, blah, blah. And then Quentin was on the same podcast a week later and they asked him, what do you think about Richard Dinkins saying this? And he goes, I think that Richard Deakins is lazy. And he wants to take it easy on himself because it's really easy to shoot digitally. You just do it all in post. Mm. And, um, I concur. <laughs> Missing link in well, sound of music. Good, yeah. good, good, uh, good recommendations. Four Absolutely. stars, both. What have you seen, David? Oh, what have I seen? Uh, well, I just saw greed. Mm. And before that, I hear uh, it's good. Yeah, it's a very good movie. Uh, <laughs> uh, before that, what did I see? I, I, I watched Star Wars the other night. Which for one? the first time in twenty years, uh, a new hope. Uh, yeah, it was it was all right. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> the most interesting stuff is, is is the two droids in the first ten minutes. That's the most interesting sure. stuff in the movie. Yeah, you know, I, right. you talk. This actually is a nice final thing for the way back. One of the things I loved so much about the way back, like you think of like the Mighty Ducks, which I'm glad neither of us said that for this. Um, sure. That's a piece. <laughs> In the Mighty Ducks, he's like he court he has to do it. He's forced to, right? Because of his mm-hmm. alcoholism and all that shit. Right. I loved that Ben Affleck was given the choice and he chose this, right? Mm-hmm. Like he chose to do this. Nobody forced him, nobody, you know. One of the problems I have with Star Wars is that Star Wars is used in a lot of these screenwriting books about the hero's journey and how one of the rules in these screenwriting books is you, your hero needs to choose to go on the journey. They can't be forced to go on the journey, right? Right. Um, a great example of that being shitty is uh, that movie Hall Pass with Owen Wilson and Jason Sudeikis. It always mm-hmm. bothered me that their wives forced them to go on the Hall Pass. Like they didn't choose to do that. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> so the whole movie is like this weird tone. Star Wars is used as an example of classic storytelling. But in that, Luke doesn't have a choice. He right. has to go on the mission. His fucking aunt and uncle were barbecued. His home was yeah. destroyed. He doesn't have anywhere to go anymore. So he's not making a choice, you mm-hmm. know what I mean, and that's always bothered me. Interesting. Yes. So yeah, it it, it was interesting going back to it. Yeah, it was like eh, it was like every everything just kind of seems to uh, to happen. I mean, I'm not gonna go and shit on Star Wars now. I'm sure. <laughs> there's <laughs> Although nothing, there's nothing to you know. shit on. To me, Star Wars is just as mediocre as The Way Back, but I feel like The Way Back is more beneficial to people in the long run. That you, makes a lot of sense. You know what I mean? Like like. And I say, I say mediocre, you know what I mean? It's just, it's just bland. It's generic, you know? It's yeah, it's just a movie. Revolutionary for your time doesn't impress me 40 years later. What impresses me is what you did with that revolution. You know what I mean? Like, I like it. (laughs) Well, Joe, why do you tell people where they can find your stuff? Uh, Blue means pregnant films on Facebook, but within the next month or two, we're going to have like a website and Blu-rays and DVDs. And it's just, it's, it's all finally happening. Um, I'm excited to share uh, my 14 features with everybody and I, for people to be able to see all the wonderful work that my friends and family and and uh, the talented actors I've worked with and stuff over the years, what we've all come together to create over the years. It's just wonderful. Um, even if the movies themselves kind of, you know, fall short in certain ways, like just the experience of doing this for 
15 years now is, is just been, I couldn't replace it. It's wonderful. Beautiful. Well, uh, everybody check all that out. And Joe, uh, we're going to have you back on the show real soon. I can't wait. I love it. Everyone, no matter how big a geek you are, has movies that they haven't seen that have other geeks saying, how have you never seen this movie? Well, we're here to help. At the Now You've Seen It podcast, we help you fill those gaps in your geek cred one movie at a time. Each episode, a guest who is watching the movie for the first time joins our rotating cast of hosts and panelists to discuss the movie and compare seeing it through fresh eyes versus seeing it with eyes filtered through the lens of nostalgia. You can find Now You've Seen It on Facebook at facebook.com slash now you've seen it, no apostrophe, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about the way back with Joe Black, and I hope you are subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. We are, of course, on iTunes, on Spotify, on Pocket Casts, on Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Podcast Addict? I, I think I just made that one up. No, I think that is actually a podcast app. We're on all the big podcast apps, and if there's one that you like to listen to podcasts on and we're not there please get in touch and let us know, and we'll make sure we get on there. So uh, you could also, of course, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, on Podchaser. You can follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join the Facebook group Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. And I'd also say you should go to our PiecingPod.com, which I'm about to do a little bit of remodeling to. I've got a few things I'm looking to update on the site, and also there's going to be more content than just the usual home for just the podcast episodes. You know I've done some written reviews on there in the past, but there's going to be more written content on the site coming up soon. So make sure to check out the website. Maybe sign up for the mailing list while you're there. Uh, lots, lots of stuff incoming. And, you know, if they close the movie theaters and I can't go see movies, uh, I'm going to be I'm going to be fucking mad. Let's put it that way. Because I love going to the movies. But... I, I'm going to find a way to keep making content for the show because I love doing this show. And I don't know if we'll cover more VOD movies, more Netflix movies. I don't know if we'll do more Breaking It Apart episodes or other kinds of special episodes, which I plan on doing quite a bit of. As a matter of fact, if all goes according to plan, there's going to be a new Breaking It Apart next week. Uh, but definitely we will continue making more content for this show, even if I can't go to my beloved movie theater as much as I would like to. Although hopefully that doesn't happen and I get to go every week and there's a brand new movie every week. That's how it should be. So anyway, let's close this thing out. Uh, not just with a song, but a reminder that my new album, Beater, the original motion picture soundtrack, comes out next Friday, the 20th, and is available on iTunes right now as a special pre-order. So go check that out. It will be up on the 20th. I will be reminding you about it plenty of times in the coming months. And I may even do a special episode that has to do with that album uh, and a special episode that has to do with that film that the album 
partially as a soundtrack for. So I've got I've got a lot of stuff around this album coming up. Uh, there's also a music video for the track Ferris Wheel, which you can check out on my YouTube channel. But I played Ferris Wheel last week on the show, so why not play another track off the album? This is also actually from the film Beater, and it's on the album. It's called You'll Always Be Beautiful to Me. So enjoy this track, and uh, keep an eye out. The album's coming next week. I'm super excited. New music. Uh, you know, this album is 34 tracks long, which is insane. Uh, that's a whole lot of new music, and so I'm really excited to release this thing. And it's a whole bunch of new music to put at the end of these episodes. So you'll be getting lots of these tracks at the end of the episodes in the coming weeks. So thanks, as always, for the support both with the podcast and the music. Enjoy this track. We'll be back with more Piecing It Together next week. And all points west.